Bible studies. So it's like 10 after the hour. I got, my sermons are not exceedingly long, but I got that one done in less than 20 minutes. <laughs> Woof. So good morning, visitors. I know we have visitors. It's always a joy to have you, joy to see you. I'm sure you remember, I'm Pastor Dan. Can you hear this? Wonderful. The question is not can you hear me, but can you understand the goings-on of the white-haired guy? (laughs) The title of this morning of my sermon is Imperfect Faith. And my text is the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. Now, if you notice in your bulletins, you have an insert, but it does not contain uh, an outline. It simply has a text. And the reason it has the text is, first of all, it's very long. There's a lot of words there, and I intend to cover all the words. And it's in the New King James, because there are so many different translations. When I'm referring to a certain text, I want us all to be on the same page, the same words. What I see, and I'm defining, you understand what it is. And the reason I say it's a long text, this is going to make this morning more of a, more of a Bible study than, than a sermon, which explains why. I don't have a, a sermon outline. And I know when Linda was asking me for a sermon outline, I, I, I tried to come up with one. And when I couldn't, I said, hmm, must be, must be a study. <laughs> so there it is. It's, it's a Bible study. Pray with me. Dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. You may or may not have heard of George Mueller. He was very active with orphans. And George Mueller was a man of tremendous faith in God. And his faith was tested time and time again as he cared for these orphans. And he wrote, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. I have been there. I've been to the place where my power, ability, strength, resolve, and understanding have run dry. And many of you have been there as well. We know it could be a place of despair. It certainly is a place where frustration abounds and hope wanes. But it is also a place of endless possibilities because when we reach the end of ourselves, that is where God loves to work the greatest miracles in our lives. The end of ourselves is a place where one faith dies and another finds fertile soil in which to grow. And faith, faith in God, does not operate in the realm of the possible. It flourishes when we have exhausted all of our plans, schemes, efforts, and resources, and we have taken our hearts and turned them back to a more complete trust in God. This morning, I want us to look at the story of two people who had exhausted all of their resources and found themselves in desperation's dead end. This world had no help or hope to offer them, and their only hope was Jesus, and they would find that he was more than enough. You may from time to time feel as though you are at desperation's dead end. And I'm here to tell you up front, Jesus is still more than enough. 
This morning, we're going to learn some lessons about faith from two people whose faith was less than perfect, but whose faith made a thoroughfare out of desperation's dead end. So look at Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 23. And it begins, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. Jairus held a prominent position in the religious life of the Jewish people. He was well-known and a prominent member of the community. He would have been connected to the religious establishment that despised Jesus and wanted to bring an end to his ministry. And we really don't know what Jairus' opinion was about Jesus or what his beliefs were about Jesus. We don't know whether he thought he was a prophet, a messiah, savior, son of God. But we do know that he had heard enough about Jesus and his power and his ability to heal, that regardless of his opinions and beliefs about who Jesus was, he desperately concluded that he needed Jesus. His 12-year-old daughter was about to die. And we don't know what was wrong, but we know that it was eminent. It is impossible to miss the absolute desperation in this scene. What parent among us would not do everything in our power to find help for our child. We would pursue every possibility, expend every ounce of energy and resources to help our child. If we could, we would gladly trade places with them. Well, this daddy had come to the end of himself. He had exhausted every option available to him. His only hope was Jesus. He comes and he falls down and he collapses at Jesus' feet in desperation And Jesus agrees, verse 24, to go with him. Hope was therefore alive in in Jairus' heart. His little girl just might live. Jairus would have been anxious and in a hurry at this point. If he could have picked Jesus up, placed him on his shoulders, and sprinted home, he would have. But he couldn't. People were pressing in on all sides and it made the walking slow. And Jairus must have been dying inside with every labored step. And when the slow walk became a complete stop, his heart must have stopped. Jesus stopped. Why? Verses 25 to 28 explains. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came from behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. This woman, like Jairus, had come to a desperation's dead end. She had been struggling for 12 years with a hemorrhage, a constant bleeding that was slowly draining the very life of her body. She had been almost impossible and unbearable in society as well as physically. She had been an outcast in society because of her bleeding. She was considered to be socially and religiously unclean, was not able to participate in the religious affairs or communal affairs of her people, 
like everyone else. And she had tried every option available to her, and not one of them worked. She not only suffered from the hemorrhage, but she also suffered from the hands of the doctors. And things had not gotten better, but worse. We know that sometimes the treatment is worse than the disease, and that was especially true in that day. For 12 years, she suffered. With each new doctor and promised cure came a small measure of hope. Maybe this is the one. Maybe this is where I'll find relief and have a normal life. Can't you just hear the sales pitches as they appeal to her desperation? She had been a guinea pig more times than she cared to remember. Take this bottle of Egyptian elixir. It's been blessed by the gods. All you need to do is drink a half cup every day and you will be healed and the bleeding will stop and you'll be free from this pain and discomfort. Take these pills. Ground bat wings, little scorpion venom, a touch of this and a touch of that. Just take three pills a day for the next six months. Only $500 for a month's supply. Use balm from the sap of sweet gum tree and olive oil. Just take a handful and rub it on. Burns like crazy. (laughs) But rub it on good and thick. Try this surgical procedure. It's bound to work. She endured empty promise after empty promise. And the physical and emotional pain she experienced at the hands of the pretentious and primitive practitioners of medicine left her broken physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially. You know, they'd all promised something that they could not deliver. And she had exhausted every avenue of treatment known to man, and hope was gone until Jesus came. She had heard stories about him. She had heard how the blind was made to see, the deaf to hear, the dumb to speak, and the lame to walk. She believed that if she could just touch him, she would be healed. She needed a touch for herself. Jairus wanted one for his daughter. We've been there. All of us know what it feels like to face that dead end, believing that there is no way out. The woman had a physical condition draining her life. And we have all experienced struggles, tragedies, loss, persecutions, failures, fears, and trials that have drained our lives of joy, spiritual vitality, and hope. For us, it could have been a crisis due to financial struggles of our own making or someone else's making moral failure, persistent sin, addictions, anger, bitterness, selfishness, or family or relational struggles, or health and death issues. We know what it's like to be there. We know what it's like to try anything and everything to alleviate the problem, only to be disappointed time and time again. We try everything from a human logic perspective, only to come up empty, more confused, frustrated, and more angry than we did to begin with. And then we hear people say things like this. You just need to believe. You just need to have faith. But the issue is not whether we have faith or even how much faith. It is not how strong and robust our faith is. What ultimately ultimately matters is the object of our faith, what or who we placed our faith in. This woman and Jairus had faith. They had both tried avenues of healing and help. This woman had plenty of faith. She had placed it on the doctors and the medicine. 
Though was faith every time she tried a new pill, surgery, or medical gimmick. Jairus, as a father, had without a doubt tried everything the doctors prescribed and some home remedies that he could think of. The problem was not that they lacked faith, but their faith had been misplaced. Listen, faith is only as reliable as the object or person that it is placed in. Was their faith in Jesus well placed? Let's keep reading. Verses 27 to 34. When she heard about Jesus, she came from behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed in your affliction. Amen. Listen. Can you imagine what was going through Jairus' mind during all this time? The delay must have been unbearable. For him, every moment mattered. For him, it was a matter of life and death, and Jesus stops to have a conversation with this woman. I have to stop and say just a quick word before we keep reading. We don't always understand or even agree with Jesus' timing or maybe even his methods, but part of placing our faith in him is submitting to his time and his answer, even though we don't understand and may not get the answer that we wanted. But let's continue reading, verses 35 to 43. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha, Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat. Amen? Was their faith misplaced? No. It was well placed. Listen, there is more power in the hem of Jesus' garments than in all the drugstores and all the hospitals and all the doctor's offices and all the counseling offices in America. If we look at these verses, one thing we should realize is that faith is not mere intellectual assent. Faith is more than just a feeling. Faith is belief in action. And these two people acted on their faith. Jairus came and he fell before Jesus. Jesus. 
And after, even after he received word that his daughter was dead, and Jesus said, do not be afraid, only believe, Jairus could have said, Jesus, I know you've healed a lot of people, but this is different. She's not sick any longer. She's dead. No one is more powerful than the grave. No one can loosen death's grips on a person. Don't bother coming. He could have ended it there and walked away, but he didn't. He believed. He kept walking. He walked past the mocking mourners who laughed at Jesus. He went into his daughter's room. He saw her dead, lifeless body. And at that moment, his faith had to be on life support. But then he saw that faith in Jesus is never misplaced as he sees his daughter was raised to life. His faith walked with Jesus to the end and found that with Jesus there is no end. Death itself is subject to his power and must obey his voice. This bleeding woman, like Jairus and some of us, did not fully understand who Jesus was. She could not have passed a theological examination if she had to. Her faith was not perfect. It was a weak and faltering faith, but it clung to Jesus. She knew she was dirty, unclean, unhealthy, hurting and dying, and that she was in desperate need, and Jesus was her only hope. No, it was not perfect faith. It was not a strong faith, but it was a remarkable faith because for the first time she placed her faith in the one person who could help and who would help. She placed her faith in the one person who would not disappoint. And she pushes through the crowd and touches the fringe of his garment and immediately, instantaneously, the flow of blood is stopped and she felt in her body that she had been healed. And then Jesus to the shock of everyone, and especially this woman, stops his journey with Jairus to his house and asks what seemed to them to be a rather odd question. Jesus asked, who touched me? His disciples thought he had lost his marbles for a moment. They say incredulously, what do you mean who touched you? There is a multitude pressing on you. Who hasn't touched you or bumped you or rubbed you or rubbed up against you? They're all clamoring to touch you and to be near you. Listen, this woman reached out in faith and received from Jesus what no other person in the crowd did, a healing. This woman's fear was strong and her faith was weak, but her touch, her faith, connected her to Jesus and his power. It was not the touch of the hand that healed her, but faith in Jesus. Listen, that is how God has wired our relationship with him to work. But there's something else in this story I want us to see. In one way, this is a picture of the churches today. Think about what is taking place in this passage. A lot of people were touching, seeing, and hearing Jesus, but only one person was changed by Jesus. Only one person received healing from Jesus. Only one person was made whole spiritually and physically. We have folks here every week talk about Jesus, sing about Jesus, walk around Jesus, but who never reach out with the hand of faith and touch him, and so they leave unchanged. 
Still carrying the struggles, still carrying the sin, still walking in fear, still lost, still destined for hell. It's one thing to hear and know about Jesus and completely different thing to reach out by faith and take what he offers. Mingling with Jesus never brings healing or justification to anyone. Now why? Why do so many gather around and remain unchanged? Was she the only one who needed healing? No. Was she the only one that needed a touch of the master? No. Was she the only one that needed to be made whole emotionally and spiritually? No. But she was convinced after all the other failures and despite an imperfect faith, that what she needed more than anything was Jesus. She was convinced that the only one who could help her and would help her was Jesus. Listen, there is an element of faith, sustaining faith or saving faith that we, must, that we often overlook. And that is, faith is the conviction that Jesus Christ alone is sufficient to meet our needs. Before I close, I have a question. Why didn't Jesus just keep moving? Why did he make a public display of what had happened? Wasn't that poor lady embarrassed enough? Hadn't she been through enough? Couldn't she have remained anonymous? No, not really. First, a couple of things here. First, two different people. Jairus, a well-known and prominent face in the community, and a woman who was nothing more than a face in the crowd. I think Jesus wanted us to know that it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or what end of the spectrum you come from. He is what you need, and he's there. And he wanted her to need to know that to him, she was not just a face in the crowd. She needed to know that there was something special about her being noticed and her healing was something to be celebrated. It would do us well to remember they were not just faces in the crowd that he loves us and our souls should deeply long for him. Secondly, faith is not a private matter. Faith in Christ is to be put on public display. How we live how we talk. Faith, saving, sustaining, guiding faith in Christ demands that we be identified with him and that we publicly acknowledge our debt to him, our love to him, so that he receives all of the glory. And this morning, if you are here and you are cold in your faith, lukewarm in your commitments, then come to Jesus. And grab hold by faith and let him make your heart soft again. Are you bitter and angry at life? Your past? At yourself? Then come to Jesus and grab hold by faith and don't let go until you're, you're whole and restored. If you are here this morning discouraged and depressed... If you have grown weary with well-doing, then come to Jesus and hold on till the light of his love breaks through. But maybe you're walking through a time of loss or worse, darkness. If you are here 
and you have never received forgiveness of your sins, if you're not sure of your salvation, if you're not sure you have eternal life, then by faith, believing that Jesus Christ is the only sufficient answer and remedy to your sin-diseased heart, then reach out by faith and accept what he has done on the cross for you. Amen? So brothers and sisters, this service has come to an end. Go into your week. Serve your Savior with love. Delight in the life that God has given you. Let's pray. Lord God, grace is on our lips and in our hearts this morning, Lord. Your grace is in our hands. We take it with us, spreading thankfulness wherever we go as we continue always to worship the one true God, remembering that he is Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to ask the team to come up for one last song and then we can excuse ourselves.